Hey, I'm Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Thank you to everybody who's been listening to the podcast so far. I always have a great job, great time doing these. Not a great job. This is not a job. This is a joy, honestly. And um, I hope you like this episode and all the episodes that come up. So I, I've been off a little bit more than I can chew for the podcast because sometimes I, um, sometimes I want to do something that's I actually, believe it or not, haven't seen in the like over in the like hundreds of shows I've watched in the couple decades like that I've been watching anime and or sometimes I want a refresher or I want to watch something from a standout from a franchise that I'm not familiar with so it takes me a while to like just put in the time of the watch time to be able to talk about a show and sometimes I watch something like Soul Eater or not where it's I get halfway through it and I kind of just because I've seen so much, I see where that thing is going and I don't feel like I need to watch the entire thing. And other times, I'm, wa- I'm watching something from a very infamous franchise that I want to talk about, but I just I need to put the time to watch it and enjoy it and digest it properly. And so I end up, oftentimes the way I compensate for this is I end up like talking about a bunch of movies or something like that. Um, and this week is one of those weeks where I'm covering for the fact that I'm actually watching something to talk about the podcast which hopefully you guys will hear about soon. Um, and the thing I watched today was literally today. Like I watched it probably 10 minutes before this. Um, is a little movie for a little show. That movie is called Kuroko's Basketball Final Game. そろそろ now, if you haven't heard of Kuroko's basketball, um, I definitely encourage you to go check it out. It's it's all the first two seasons are dubbed on Netflix. I think the third season is subtitles. Like, I switched over to subtitles at some point. Because this was a fairly long-running basketball sports anime that kind of outran its mainstream popularity and became, like, a cult classic, very very heavily Fujoshi-supported show. And it it's easy to see why. And if you want more about 
Kuroko's basketball and like just the fun of watching that show, definitely go check out the Kuroko's basketball episodes that I did in this podcast in in the feed before this episode in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. But I want to talk about this movie in particular because in particular because and I think it's the only Kuroko's basketball movie. I could be wrong about that, but it's also how should I put this? It's also doing a thing that has been done that is done by these movies, but it's doing it in a slightly different, unique way. So the last, the last, like section of Kuroko's basketball, is against a American basketball team, quote unquote. And I'm putting heavy quote marks around that American basketball phrase for very specific reason, which we'll get into. Um, but it's against this team that's supposed to be like total assholes and they're mean as shit and they're giant and we finally get like characters who are not... We, we get a real correction from Kuroko's basketball in the form of characters who are not like throwaway characters who are... Who are African American, and it one of the and that's one of the first things I'll end up talking about when I talk about the big quotes I put around American basketball team, um, and the Jabber and they're called the Jabberwocks, and they're these big scary guys, and they're like the best basketball, the best street ball team. In America. There's a thing that... Like, people from other countries don't get about... America as a, like, basketball force. It's like... There's a reason that everybody wants to... There's a reason that, like, Kogami is so determined to play in America. That, like, Al... Almine is so determined to play in America. It's because America excels in basketball in a way that is like out of this world. And if you're listening to this from another country and you've never seen an American basketball game outside of say the Olympics, you're like, what do you mean? The Olympic teams are just kinda okay. There's a reason that none of the best players from America sign up to be international representative to on a world stage like the Olympics. And that is because, and this is true, they take one look at just, like, the concept of maybe, like, setting off an international incident over a waffle breakfast during the, like, month-long amount, like, however long the Olympics takes. And they're like, they look at that and they're like, no, thank you. Just no, thank you. And also, like, we've had the best basketball team that has probably ever existed is probably toss up between the 95 Bulls and the Dream Team. And the Dream Team, I think, is actually the last time the Olympics host, like, got real, got real basketball players on the Olympic team and they, like, this team wiped the goddamn floor with, <laughs> with with everybody who faced them. 
<laughs> in a way that is like almost comical. And also, the another team that I want to have a conversation about in this episode, and that is the Harlem Globetrotters. And if you've ever heard of the Harlem Globetrotters, a the fair amount the the fair amount of you who have heard of, heard of the Harlem Globetrotters through Scooby Doo, and that's not on accident, hilariously. But also, like, if you've ever seen the Harlem Globetrotters play, you kind of realize that, like, in order to be able to do the basketball tricks they are doing, you have to be so fucking good at basketball. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like, the, the deal with the Harlem Globetrotters, and I'll get back on topic here in a second, but I wanna, I just want to, like, put this out there for you. The deal with the Harlem Globetrotters if you sign up because it is an, to play Harlem Globetrotters, because it is an honor to lose to the Harlem Globetrotters, like you are not going to win. That is just the truth. And the reason why I bring them up here is because they bear comparison a little bit to the whole of the basketball playing cast of Kuroko's basketball, but also to Jabberwock in particular. And the way I would describe Kuroko's basketball to people is like, it's like the Dragon, it's like Dragon Ball Z plus basketball. Just know that going in. There's like insane shit that like doesn't exist in basketball because cool shonen power, power fantasy. But also there's like mystical split personality shit. There's like, there's like this physical representation of the zone that, of like being in the zone that I find hilarious. But also kind of cool, but hilarious. Um, but the, the, the thing with Jabberwock as a team is they, like I said, they say this is the best street ball team there is. And bottom line is straight up, it's not. It's just not. <laughs> like, it, and so I want to talk about stylistic thing here. Um, Japan has a history with tattoos and like associations with tattoos and like stylist and has its own tattooing style that has been like co-opted by that had been like grown up, been created by and co-opted by not even co-opted has been kind of wholly owned by the criminal world of Japan. Now, that's why, that's why, like, if you want to see, if you want to see, like, beautiful Japanese tattoos on people from Japan, generally, they are, like, looked on upon as being strange because a little bit of a history of tattooing because I want to talk about it. Um, Japanese tattoo, originally in Japan, tattoos were used to be like markers of the criminal element, meaning that if you were if you were a criminal in Japan, they would tattoo usually an X on you somewhere. Um, at, towards the end, when they're like they're fucking getting them covered up and nobody knows, um, they would just straight up tattoo an X on your head, but on, on your forehead. But as a result to display tattoos in a certain way, to display certain types of tattoos is like 
a step beyond just this guy's a badass. It means specifically this guy's a, like, part of the Yakuza. And you can't really do that for an American character. Because there's no re- rhyme or reason, unless you have an explicit story reason, that they would be a member of the Yakuza. But here's the thing. You don't see, like, American, especially sports star-style tattoos on these characters. And also, there is no, like, representation of tattoos on African-American characters, largely speaking, in anime, which is its own thing. Even in tattoo culture, it's its own thing. But, as a result, you get these, like kind of vague tribal designs. Think something like Revy's tattoo. It's probably one of the best tattoos in anime, actually. Revy's tattoo from Black Lagoon is a great example. And there's a character, something gold, um, the, like, main bad guy, the blonde white guy, hilariously, um, in this show is... He has this big, long... Tattoo down his arm, not like a sleeve, but like a singular long tattoo that is kind of like a sloppy tribal tattoo. But the thing is, is if you've ever seen people with tattoos, unless they have like serious tribal tattoos, that's not, or like a tribal band or something from the 90s, that's not what tattoos, especially on sports stars, look like. Tattoos on sports stars are like these big, elaborate, meaningful, crazy things. And it's like, that's a hard thing. A, that's a hard thing to animate. B, that's a hard, like, style to pull off if you're not really great at it. For example, I I can design Japanese tattoos myself. I've done it. <laughs> but I don't generally... The time commitment isn't worth it when I'm looking for, like, a way to display certain styles. So I actually use a set of um, Procreate brushes, because that's what I do most of my illustration in, to, like, compose what is, like, a really good aesthetic of Japanese tattooed with all the parts and pieces. And then I go through and I do all the coloring custom myself. Um... And that's not wrong. There's no wrong way to do that. Lots of actual tattoo artists, that's what the brushes I'm using are actually for. Use these brushes to compose things and shows to clients so they can be like, look, this is what your tattoo could look like. But it, that combined with the odd, like, best street ball, with this odd obsession of, like, best street ball team in America feels makes it feel a little weird in the beginning of the movie. Once you get into the meat of the movie, it doesn't really matter because the long and short of it is when it comes to Kuroko's basketball, like the, the opponents are the opponents. Like they, they all kind of like all the games kind of have the same rhythm to them, but they're not as like they present different challenges and come overcome different challenges with different tools. And the like, wish fulfillment fantasy part of this show 
is that you get to see all the characters, like all the characters who used to be enemies, like just in the same on the same team against a new set of enemies who are for once not humanized because one of the ways that sports anime keep going is they beat a character and then they humanize them. And that's the like secret to shonen anime, but it's also the secret to shonen shows. Like um a great example is you look at something like um Dragon Ball V. Dragon Ball started with the main enemy being Piccolo. And then by the time Dragon Ball Z rolls around, Piccolo is slowly humanized as he trains Gohan and becomes Gohan's actual father instead of Gohan's fraternal, like, fraternal, like, genetic father, blah, 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 blah. But, um, <laughs> he says, like, it's nothing. Um, the long and short of it is that you have to keep humanizing characters because that's how you can grow the cast most, um, most naturally and that's how you can show kind of like audience reactions where you care about the audience because they'll eventually put characters like Kisei in the audience, like Aumine in the audience. And um you also set up for like a big everybody everybody loves all these characters sing in the form of a movie like this. Now what this movie is doing is it's retelling the Jabberwock like, it's retelling the Jabberwock arc from the show, but in a movie form with more budget and like a, on a big screen. I watched this in my new in my um newly room darkened movie theater room. Um, but the big deal of this movie is that it's. It's a Kuroko basketball movie. You get the, like, just, like, love for basketball filtered through a very anime aesthetic and anime lens. And the biggest... The biggest, weirdest thing I found when watching the movie is there's a stiltedness to them talking about basketball because it doesn't... And there's a problem lots, lots of times with lots of anime. It doesn't... It doesn't have the lip... It doesn't have the lip flap affordance to, like, leave things... So, like, leave it at that and leave things at that. And, like... There's this big rah-rah Japan thing that's happening in this movie that <laughs> is... It's, like, at the same time, super present, but super not focused on. It's more focused on, like, they fucking insulted the way we play basketball. Fuck them. And, but, like, the main character is, the main villain is portrayed as, like, basically telling Japan to go fuck itself and never play basketball again. And, like, they... So, spoiler alert for the end of this movie. At the end of this movie... Kogami says that he's going to school in America, so he got a shot at playing in the NBA. And it's like a big emotional thing. But the thing that they could do with this movie that would be, with this show that would be incredible if they wanted to, if they could have the 
the, like, a, like, season somewhere in the future where you see Kogami up against, like, real basketball players and professional basketball players. Because the idea is that, like, these kids are, like, incredible, like, professional level. But it would be a really great moment to see that they're not. And, like, I love the Dragon Ball Z with, like, the Dragon Ball Z powers mixed with a sports anime whole thing of this. But it not... Like... The bottom line is, is that, like, these kids play hard against each other, but they don't, they don't really play, like, professional, bas- like, NBA basketball players. And they hold them up to such a high standard, and the show holds the NBA up, up to this, like, almost, like, are they an advertising partner level standard? That it's really, it's really a stunning thing. Like, it... And if you've ever seen, like, if you've ever seen, and you can go look this up on your phone right now, um, you can go look up the, like, footage of the 94 Bulls, and you can see the, like, th- these guys were, were it. They were incredible. They would, like, crush their opponents. Not in a way that was, like, well, I mean, Michael Jordan in a way that was unsportsmanly because he was a psych, because he was and still is a total crazy person. But um, it's like the amount of skill and athleticism and like wild shit that they do in that, in that, in their time as as a team is phenomenal. And one of the reasons I think that Kuroko's basketball was so popular at the time and is so popular and why this movie and this movie really um shows this in a really concrete way because it had the budget to do it is basketball is one of the only sports where you're like you're all the, like, cool trick shots and tricks that you do are actually used in the game. Like, if you look at, like, all the, like, weird shit you can do in with a soccer ball, lots of that stuff is just, like, weird, just, like, rhythmic practicing stuff. If you look at, like, stuff people do with footballs, same thing. Volleyball, kind of same thing. It, but in basketball... Street basketball is only different because basically rules aren't applied to it. Once you apply rules to it, it would be normal basketball. And like all the dribbling between the legs, the trick shots, all that stuff is all viable in basketball. And so that gives you like a wider a wider opportunity field of opportunity to make a cool thing out of basketball in the form of a shonen sports anime. But it also like like the in this case sometimes the fantasy is wilder than the reality. Like one thing they could have done <laughs> that would have been incredible is like have one of the 
It's like, as a promotional piece, recreate. I'm sure someone's fucking done this. I've, I'm sure the the other thing, of course, they've done it. Recreate the like Dennis Rodman dunking in a fucking wedding dress picture. <laughs> like there are like phenomenal basketball moments that are wild, especially from the '90s, where you could like borrow some of that. For, um, for the for the actual show, and the thing I will say about this movie is I I have a lot of criticism of like the way they treat Jabberwocky and like the way they the, the way they definitely looked at this at this movie as like this is the opportunity we finally have a way. To get black people in a basketball story, which is like without them being weird transfer students for reasons of basketball, and that feels insulting. Um, but also, if you've seen, if you've seen the episode that I'm talking about, where they have to face a transfer student who is not American, he's African, and like the school was super racist and brought him in because like, oh, black, like we have an opportunity for black. Transfer student, let's get him in, let's put a basketball jersey on him. Who cares? He's big and black. He could probably play. And, like, it's very clear that that, that poor guy can't. Like, a mile high and he can't do it. Um, the only thing that got him to where, he, to, like, the place he was in his team was the fact that he was, like, a mile high. So, like, People just couldn't jump that high until you get Kogami, and then he can jump higher. But, um, the... This was definitely the opportunity to be like, okay, we can get some actual black basketball players who, like, are a team from America, and it feels, it feels natural, and it feels normal, and it feels like all these guys would be friends and would play... But that that is slightly ruined by the fact that like they really only focus on two, maybe three of the characters in this show. Like in in that on that team, it's not like you get like the buddy duos from the original show. Although you do get like Takao and all these other characters, it's more like you. They have a supporting cast on that, on that, on the opposing team, but it's not fleshed out much. So, like, don't expect to, like, learn about the other characters in this show, it, on this team. Like, the, like, guy named Goal and the guy named, literally, I'm kidding, I'm not kidding you, Andrew Silver, and he's got silver hair, are the extent of it. And, like, once I got into the actual meat of the movie, it was fun. I didn't feel time packed. It was a, it was a Kuroko's basketball movie, and that was fun. But it, it feels like a big episode. And and two thousand seventeen, when this movie released, that's what people were asking for, and what people were after, oftentimes, and what people are after, oftentimes, in anime movies is like, give me this, but huge. And to be fair, 
something like um, the Demon Slayer movie. It's literally like a small arc from Demon Slayer they just made real big. And it's just like, oh, this was this is perfect. And that's one of the reasons why they could um, slot it into the narrative of the show. And one of the reasons why they're remaking the Demon Slayer arc, the Mugen Train arc, in the as a mini season, is because yes, they did the thing where they made the movie matter, but they also want to give people who haven't seen the movie a, a way to watch it, regardless. Just like on Crunchyroll, because the bottom line is, is that not everybody is going to live in Japan or near a movie theater that will play that movie. So they end up doing kind of both things. And I saw the first episode of the Mugen Train arc. It was pretty good. Um, but the, the final game movie is different in that it is taking the final arc of Kuroko's, bas- no, of Kuroko's basketball and flipping it and recontextualizing it and restylizing it so it A, fits into a movie time run of an hour and a half, but it also gives it more budget, gives it, takes out the, like, extraneous stuff and makes it all about what people go to Kuroko's basketball for. And yes, that means you get less practice montages and less, like, clever, like, shonen power-up stuff. But it also means that you aren't aren't sitting through a ton of episodes where not much is happening or different stuff like that. They also probably cut out a lot of arguing, although they have a hilarious team dynamic. Between Almine and, um, what's his face, uh, Takami. And it's just like, they fucking hate each other. But also everybody has stopped tolerating Almine being a jerk. <laughs> so people just gang up on Almine. And it's, and it's a fun, like, oh yeah, all of these characters are friends. And they're all, like, friends in their own way. And it's hilarious and great. <laughs> And, like, you have the, like, out just before the game, like, the night before the game, you have the, like, encounter with the big bad Jabberwock team in a club, which, like, they said these guys were 18, they look like they're fucking 22, like, they just do, they fucking look like adults, it looks like a bunch of teenagers, plus Kagami looks like an adult going up a bunch of against a bunch of adults, and it's weird. (laughs) And it's just, so, like, if you like Kuroko's basketball, or if you took my advice and you went and watched it, and you want more, I would actually recommend skipping the Jabberwock, like, arc, and letting yourself watch the movie, because you're probably going to get the same thing out of both, and one's more compressed. And... It's really fun to see the amount of budget they were able to, like, pour into this movie. Especially with the amount of budget that Kuroko's basketball was probably already getting. On that note, I'm actually going to cut it off at, like, 
I'll rough 30 minutes here because I this is a movie and it's an hour and a half movie, so it's not there's not a whole lot of meat there. But um, if you like this episode, new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursdays is just regular old lunchbox radio. It's more like this. It's more about a show or movie. And Sunday is the sun. What I like to call the Sunday edition. What I do call the Sunday edition. And that's more metatextual. It's about like something that happened in anime recently, in anime news recently, or the industry, or um, the fandom, or something like that. And on that note, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I'll talk to you on Sunday.